All right, I think we can all agree that every new investor struggles with the same issues. They're out there talking to motivated sellers, they're finding deals, but they're unsure of how to comp these properties and how to determine what they are worth or what the ARV is. There's a tremendous amount of anxiety trying to figure out how to find the after repair values. Now, we all know that in order to make a great offer on a property, you have to start with the end in mind, meaning you really should know the ARV or the after repair value of the property before you can discount it and subtract your repairs and or wholesale fee to get your perfect offer amount. Well, if you're like me and you're not a licensed real estate agent, it's difficult to get access to your local MLS without asking your agent or bugging your buddies who are licensed all the time to run those comps for you and generate those estimated values. Well, not to worry. There's a company out there that can grant you MLS access to view and comp properties nationwide. I want you guys to go to dpipodcast.com forward slash comps, and you can even get a free 14-day trial to test it out for yourself. Now, not only can you use this company to get comps and generate ARVs for these deals that you're finding, but you can also use it to help you find out how much the property owner owes on the property so you're not overpaying. Did I mention that you can use this company to also pull lists of motivated sellers? When I do marketing, I'm looking for vacants, absentee owners, high equity, pre-foreclosure, and many, many more reasons that the owner might be motivated. These guys can help you generate these lists so you can market them accordingly. I like, the, I like to mail them and also skip trace them so my team can call or text them. Again, if you're having problems getting comps, I want you guys to go to dpipodcast.com forward slash comps to get access to a 14-day free trial so you can run your own MLS comps and even use this company to pull your own list of motivated sellers. I use them to run my comps and to pull my list. If you're not using them, you are absolutely missing out. So check them out today dpipodcast.com forward slash comps for more information. Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Your host, Mike Slane, joined with co-host, David Dodge. David, how are you? Hey, guys. Morning? I'm good, man. I'm doing real good. Good, good. Got so a property under contract today. You did? Yeah, it feels All good, right, man. All right, brother. All yeah. right. That's exciting. How did, <clears throat> how did that go, man? It went good. Yeah? Yeah. It was one that we worked. Uh, I originally contacted him via cold texting probably about a month ago, and I made him an offer. He didn't like my offer, and we just followed up, followed up, followed up. 
follow up, follow up, follow yeah. up. And, and you know, in our last episode, that we talked about how you got to have a little wiggle room for your negotiation. Mm-hmm. My original offer was ninety-two thousand, and he wanted one ten, and I came up to ninety-five. So I came up a little. He came down a lot. Mm. Still a win-win. That's great. But isn't that great? We yeah. talked about that in the last episode. No, we absolutely did, and and I think that's uh, yeah. You you built in a little bit of wiggle room. But uh, you know, not a ton. Yeah, I mean, I could have gone higher, cool. but I didn't want to. And honestly, yeah. And honestly, why? I mean, why? Why if you can get it for a lower price and you know they're motivated, why? Why go up again? Right. Your your job is to get a great deal. That's right. So I mean, there's no reason to. That's right. Again, we're not in this business to uh, to lose. We're in it to win it. Yeah, baby. we're in it to win it. In it to win That's it. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's cool. So let's talk about how you got it under contract, Dave. So one of the most important tools in wholesaling tool belt is your contract, right? I love my contract. Yeah. Yep. So it's very simple. All right. Which contract do we use today? Uh, we use the same contract that we provide in a free wholesale course. Awesome. Yeah, simple one pager. Awesome. Very simple. So check that out, freewholesalecourse.com. We always are plugging that for you guys, mm-hmm. but it's because we put so much content out there for you. Um, so what goes into the contract, I guess? Let's talk about contracts today since we're, we're kind of on that topic. Uh, contracts are, in my brain, the beginning of the negotiation. So Dave, you said you initially offered 92, right? I did. Did you offer 92 verbally? Or did you then follow it up with a written offer at 92? You know, that is a great question that I can answer for you. Yeah, you're going to look it up? Yeah, let's find out. I'm going to pull up my CRM here, and I'm going to take a look. I have worked with Dave for long enough. I am confident that he put it in writing because we almost always put it in writing. Yeah, I'm almost positive I did. We always do. So why do we put it in writing? Uh, A lot of reasons. One, the contract, like I said, is the beginning of the negotiation. And two... That way, that seller has something tangible and knows that you're serious about buying their property. So putting it in writing, it makes it real for that seller. They know that you are a real buyer. That's right. So I again, sent him a, I sent writing. him the offer for 92 one month ago, two days ago. So basically a month ago. And then I went back and forth, back and forth. And a lot of this was done via text message. The seller worked a lot and wasn't able to really talk on the phone and he preferred texting which is actually my preferred method of communication yeah, it's so much so it was like the great and we just kind of went back and forth and at one point i had to basically say hey you know i just i can't pay anymore for it and and then there was about a week and a half period of silence between the two and then i reached out and said hey i haven't forgot about you I had a task in my crm to call him mm-hmm and I said, I haven't forgot about you. Have you given any more thought to my offer? And he's just said, you know, we're not that far apart, but I got to get a little bit more. And, and the reason I think he did that is I think his payoff was basically right at where I had made my offer at. And he was afraid that after the prorations or the taxes or the closing costs that he'd have to bring money to the table, 95000 on this particular deal gave him enough wiggle room to at least break even at a very minimum, if not walk with a thousand or two thousand dollars. So awesome. So what's what's this uh, seller's story, Dave? Why is he motivated to sell? I mean what is going on behind the scenes that he wanted to sell it to it's you? It's a great question. So a, he lives a about a hundred miles away. Okay. 
He bought the house 20 years ago, and he lived in it for the last, well, he lived in it for 17 of the last 20 years. Wow. He moved 100 miles north for a job. He lives out in the country. I don't know what he does for work. He told me at one point, but I just forgot. And since he moved three years ago, he's just been renting it to a friend. And he's not really making any money on the property because he is renting it to him and covering utilities. Um, gotcha. And the rate wasn't so, that great. So you've got a couple of motivated seller keywords that kind of just go ding, ding, ding in my head. Mm -hmm. And the first one was uh, absentee owner. So you said that he moved 100 miles away. So yep. this automatically is going to be on one of your lists you're searching for is going to come up as an absentee-owned property because Correct. his mailing address is going to be different than the property loca location. Mm -hmm. So, again, that's one kind of key thing. The other thing that triggers that motivation is the job. So you said that he had a job move. So, again, he basically left the property, and it sounds like he was just having his buddy come and help him make sure he could cover the mortgage payment. And I think the reason that he didn't sell it, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'm speculating here. I think the reason that he didn't sell it three years ago is because after he paid agent commissions, he probably would have had to brought money to the table. I'm thinking that he doesn't have that much equity in the property. I could be wrong. Uh, but essentially, when we reached out to him and we basically tried calling him, he didn't answer and he texted us back. So this was just a cold call. And, and then from there, we just started playing text tag. You know, hey, what's going on? I want to see this property. He let me get into the property and view it and take pictures. And that's when I made my offer to him verbally via text message, which is in writing, but not really. And then I sent him a real offer in writing and because I, I got his email. And that's kind of where we left off. And then, you know, a couple of weeks goes by of, of uh, silence slash negotiating. And finally, I reached out to him last week. You were in the office with me. And I said, hey. You know, we need we need some deals right now. We're, we're deal light. So I started reaching out to some people that were on my follow-up list, and boom. Got he said, right he said, all right, you come up a little bit. I'll come down a lot. Let's try to make this a win-win. So, so it sounds like, yeah, he's just been dealing with the fact that he probably wasn't going to make money on this property for several years now. And it sounds like he probably refinanced his equity out if he's owned it for 20-some-odd years. Right. Uh, so he, he realized he wasn't going to make money when he sold it. Um, it was just kind of coming to that point now and saying, okay, I'm ready to do it, ready to put it behind me, which is great. Mm -hmm. So again, he's going to be rid of this property that's been a headache for him. Uh, having his friend live there basically help manage it and help him cover the, the mortgage for him. And he's going to be able to put that behind him, which is great. Which is great. Yeah. So one other thing I want to kind of hit on was what Dave said earlier was that he sent the offer via text. And that's kind of an offer in writing and kind of not. <laughs> so, I don't consider it in writing. I don't either. Because so, I like to have one that's signed. That's what I consider it in writing. Something that's actually signed by me. It's delivered to them whatever way you want to deliver it. Fax, mail, email, in person, whatever. But when it's signed, that's what I consider in writing. Because then the ball's in their court. I love it. And I think that that's a very good point to make. Is that although it is technically in a written form of communication it's not a written offer unless it is like Dave. it's said. hard to print a text message and take that to a title company right exactly right so yeah, yeah. love so it get them in writing i love it i mean that's very very important and what we want to talk about is our contracts dave let's kind of dive in a little bit more into the parts of the contract that are important yeah to include and the parts of the contract that are 
that we don't have on our contract because they're not important. I love that idea. <laughs> our contract is one page, guys. There's not a lot of fluff in it, so most of it's pretty important. You just want to get it. But there's not a not, there's no reason to have a lot of fluff. There isn't, and that's the beautiful thing. And I think a lot of people when they're getting started, they they're confused with contracts. They're they're worried about sending contracts. They don't know if they're doing it right. But really, the contract part of this business, in my opinion, is like the easiest part, especially if you use the one that we give away for free in the free wholesale course. Yeah, the contract part, I think, is a fear thing. I think most people are very afraid of what happens if they accept. If, if they accept. Oh, man. Exactly. Then I have to buy it. It's a almost house. scarier it when is. they accept than it, is, than it is when they say no or they, they don't respond. And that's what you've got to just blow past because it's not important. It's not. That is the only way. And we've talked about this and we're going to get off topic again. The only way to make money in this business is to have a property under contract. You've got to have inventory. If you're wholesaling, you have to have a property under It'd be contract. Nice if these are a little shorter. These are too tall. Our microphones, guys, we got the little stands Maybe here. I'll buy us some new ones that are we shorter. We might need That's shorter right. ones. Anyways, let's get back to <laughs> the important pieces of the contract table. Let's look. Uh, you got it pulled up here Yeah, for so there's really only a couple things that you have to have on a contract to make it legal. Uh, number one, I would start with today's date. Um, you want to put the date of the contract. Now, that's important for several reasons. Um, number one is because you're going to put um, you're, you're going to want them to know and the title company when the contract took effect. Reason being is, is if you have multiple contracts on a property, which has happened to us several times, the one that was signed and dated first, first is the one that matters. Which is crazy, but it does happen. It does happen. People try to sell their property to multiple people. I've had a guy have, he went out and just signed like five or six contracts with everybody in yeah, town. Some people don't know. He just didn't know. And then yeah. we're like, well, what? the hell's going on here man he's like well i just figured the first guy to bring me cash would get it and it's like well, it doesn't work that way man it doesn't work that way so yeah number one today's date i want to start with today's date number two the buyer's name and mailing address now the mailing address isn't necessarily required but i like to add it because it helps the title company later uh send the proper documents to that to the buyer which in most cases is us Next would be the seller's name and mailing address. Same scenario. You want to put the mailing address on there, um, especially if the property address and the mailing address are different. That way the title company can send them the packet in the mail if, if so requested. Um, next would be the property address that is going to be purchased. And... Um, and that's the main thing, right? Like you want to have the the property address, the parcel, whatever it might be, to on the contract of the property that's being sold. And so, guys, that is almost all you really need to take to a title company. I mean, that's about it's it. about it. Again, uh, if you had that, you could probably get the property closed. Well, you might need the amount. The eh. amount and a closing date are going to help for right. sure. So the but, next thing that we had is the amount. Like, what are you willing to pay for the property? Um, and then we have the consideration, which is also known as the earnest money. All right. Now, we only have a couple more things that we need to add, guys. This We're like halfway done. All right. Next would be the acceptance period. Mike, what's an acceptance period? An acceptance period is a timeline that you're giving the seller to accept your offer. So basically, what you, when you're writing a contract, you're saying, I will buy this for $100,000. 
Well, most of the time, most people don't want contracts sitting out there forever. Because, I know I don't. Because they don't always have $100,000 or aren't able to perform on that contract six years from now or whatever the case may be. Here's a perfect example. If I send out five offers every day, which I try to do, don't always get them out every day, but I try to send a lot of offers. And let's say that I don't put acceptance periods on any of these contracts. And I don't get any contracts signed and returned for a month. But then all of a sudden on a random Tuesday, I get 27 contracts back. Well, that's going to make it very difficult for me, A, to manage all those, B, to line up closing, funding, wholesale buyers, whatever it might be. So you always want to put a duration. But I think even more importantly than that problem is you want to make sure that your seller is aware that this offer is an offer that is good until next Friday or this following Sunday and that they need to act fast if they want this offer. That's great. So it puts motiv- it, it puts them in the hot seat right. too. It just reminds them, hey, this isn't a forever thing. Like I want to buy your house, but I want to do yeah, it. Yeah, next week, this guess week. what? I might have three more projects on my belt and I can't buy this one. Or if I do buy it, it's going to be 10K less. So if you want this amount, this is what it's going to be, and I need to know within 48 hours or a week or whatever that might be. So don't overthink the, exception peri- the acceptance period, guys. It's just a period that basically says the seller has until this time or this day to sign and return. And if they do it after that period, the contract essentially is void. Next, we have the inspection period. This is nothing more than just a simple amount of time that you use to inspect and to do what we like to call due diligence. Mike, give me an example of a due diligence or explain what in the hell due diligence is. Well, one is due diligence just in general would be your uh, figuring out if that property is really worth what you believe it to be worth. So that's it, guys. As simple as that. Keep it simple. One example of that would be doing a full blown inspection. So having a home inspector go out and inspect the property. And that's pretty typical in retail transactions. So when you're just buying or selling a home, there's usually a full-blown inspection that happens with a, a certified inspector who comes out and, and uh, you know, looks at every, every possible thing that they can uh, with the house. So in the investment world, it's, it's much less common to have an inspector come out and give you a formal inspection report on a property. Uh, so then another due diligence example, and this is one that we do, and we do it on almost every property we buy, and a lot of them that we wholesale, is the sewer lateral inspection. So, Dave, why do we do sewer lateral inspections? We did, and I did two sewer lateral inspections today. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of sewer yeah. laterals. So, I, again, it's basically a colonoscopy for your house. That's exactly what it is. You it's kind of gross, but it is. You cannot see in there. But it is very, very necessary, and here is the reason. Mike and I can go and walk around a property. We can walk in a property, and we can get a pretty good understanding or idea of all the things that are wrong. Now, of course, not every little thing, but we can see the big things. Is the kitchen in good shape, or does it need to be redone? I mean, that is super obvious. We can walk around, and we can see the obvious things. The sewer lateral is the one thing in a property that we cannot see, no matter what. You, you can't get down there. Oftentimes, the sewer lateral is anywhere from 7 to 15, sometimes even 18 feet deep. Okay, so SHIT runs downhill. You've heard that saying, right? 
and the sewer lateral does the same thing. When it's whenever it comes out of the out of the house, it's deep, but it's actually the shallowest that it's going to be. And then as it runs towards the sewer, it gets deeper and deeper. So why am I getting into some detail about this? Because they're expensive as hell to fix. You got to dig up anywhere between eight and sometimes down 20 feet to even get to them. So you can have a company come out and they can put a scope in there, which is basically just a camera on a stick, a really, really long stick that's flexible. And they can put that all the way in the sewer line and they can tell you if it's in good working order if it has some repairs needed or if it is completely trashed and that you have to go in. So we always do the sewer inspections. The sewer inspections are typically under 100 bucks, Depending on where you live, they may be a little bit more, but they're very, very inexpensive in, in terms of the cost of fixing it later if you didn't know about it. I mean, we're talking 5, 10, sometimes as much as 20 grand to fix a sewer lateral and if you just spend a hundred bucks in the beginning to have it scoped, you can know. You due know, diligence, guys. So due diligence. So again, because we can't see it, that's one of the reasons why we really, really want to get somebody down there. Um, so moving on with the other items on our contracts, what else do we need on there, Dave? We Closing need- date and location. Perfect. And that's uh, very to the point. Like, when would you like to close and where? Mike and I like to add in on or before. We put our closing date in. That's a pro tip for you guys. So let's say that uh, let's just say that today is the first of the month, and we have a closing date scheduled for the 25th. Well, we're going to put on or before. Reason is, is if we can get it closed on the 15th or the 18th, we don't need to go back and get amendments signed. Signed. We can just t- call the title company up and just say, "Hey, we're ready to close sooner. Can you do this next Tuesday?" And as long as the seller agrees. Typically, and they're okay with that. And here's why that helps us. Dave said it's because we don't. then we don't have to amend the contracts. Yeah, less is more. Well, think about what you're doing. So, again, we are trying to first buy a property and then sell a property, and we're trying to line that all up on the same day. So you've got multiple parties to coordinate. So once you negotiate that purchase price and you say, okay, Mr. Seller, can we do the by the 25th, like Dave said, the 25th of this month? And they say, okay, that'd be great. And you say, okay, well, if we can close sooner, we will definitely try to do that. Then you sell the property and you talk to your buyer. And your buyer says, oh, okay, yeah, I'm ready to close in a week. I'm cash, you know, I'm good to go whenever you guys want to close. Yeah, why wait to get paid? Why wait until the 25th if that buyer's ready to go and if the title company has everything lined up? Well, And you have to have those, yeah, you have to have the title, the title work done. That's very important. But if it's done, and yeah, and like you said, and the buyer's ready, why wait to get paid? Well, why wait to get paid and... Why do you want to then have to go out and get an amendment to the contract that then states, okay, no, we're no longer closing on April 25th. We're going to close on on the 20th. Again, it's just one of those things where you, you're saving yourself a little bit of time by being forward thinking. We actually uh, include that little phrase in our free wholesalecourse.com in the contract that's out there for you guys. That's it. So, so guys, there's only out. one more thing that we have to have in a contract to make it valid right and really you could probably go without some of these items but we always use all these items just because it alleviates all the questions that a title company may come back and ask or that the seller uh, may come back and ask last but not least is a contingency clause which is really part of your it doesn't have to be part of your inspection period but it can okay but your contingency clauses um are basically CYA clause. It's the same thing, and that stands for cover your 
ass. Exactly. Okay. And what David said is that it doesn't have to be, but it can be. The the reason that we're we're on that is they're very very linked. The inspection period and your contingency clauses. You really want those to be linked. You want to do your due diligence and exercise your contingencies within that inspection period. Again, you're you want to play fair. You want to play by the rules. Yeah, you don't want to be backing to, out on the day of closing. That's exactly. not really fair trying, to the seller. You're trying to help these people out too. Again, most of the time we're dealing with motivated Shoot sellers for, the win-win. for a reason. That's right. So guys, we're here to help them. So you want to you want to play by the rules and get those contingency clauses in. Dave, what kind of contingencies? There's would we so put in? many of them, but like my favorite one would be um, partner's approval, because you know it's just very very broad. Your partner could be your business partner it could be your spouse um i've heard i think joe mccall says that his partner's his dog mm-hmm. or his cat what, what i used to which before, is just hilarious but it's it's not wrong you know like before dave and i were partners like actual business partners i in my brain rationalized subject to partner's approval as my buyer as my end buyer that's that right. was my partner on this deal mm-hmm. like again i'm partnering with that person i'm gonna write another contract i'm gonna be partners with that person on that deal right and that's really how i rationalized including that in the contract now luckily i didn't have to sure. uh, exercise that often because again you try to get good deals and you try to get them sold that's the whole, that's the whole, the whole name, of the game. name of the game that's right uh, but again that's a real good one i like that one so let's just let's just uh talk about a couple more let's not get let's into too much detail but there's subject to appraisal mm-hmm. if that's something that you want to do we don't typically do that in our market because we have a good understanding of our ARVs, but in other markets, it may be all over the place, and you may need an appraisal. You could have subject to an inspection by a licensed inspector. Again, we don't do that. We do our own inspections, but that's a great uh, due diligence clause or a contingency clause that you can add. Subject to valuation of the buyer is also one of my favorites. Another way to word that would be contract contingent on verifying taxes, title, and value. So why is that such a good clause? Well, you can easily verify the amount of taxes that are owed. You can pretty easily, not us, but the title company can pretty easily verify if a title is clean or not. But that last word, okay, I'm going to read it again. Contract contingent on verifying taxes, title, and value. Well, value is, is all determined by each individual, right? Everyone is going to have their own opinion of value. So basically that it gives you an out at any time to say, well, I just don't see the value in the property or the value of my ARV was maybe too low or too high or the value of my repairs were maybe too low or too high. And regardless, it's going to throw off your entire equation. That's great. So, yeah, and value is something that's so fun too. Uh, I'm a little bit more involved in our rental side uh, nowadays and I get a lot of appraisals on properties. And it's kind of fun to see what appraisal, how the appraisals come in and what prices they come in at. We had one uh, recently had an appraisal on it, and it came in, uh, I'm going to, off the cuff here, I think the uh, the value came in at 156000 And we didn't like that, so we said, okay, we, we can't close this. So we had another appraiser come back out, and the value came in at 189000 so almost $30,000 different. And that those are two licensed appraisers. So they both are very good at determining the value of properties. But again, it's just a, it's a very subjective thing. So it's very good to include in that yeah. contract. Last one would be maybe just do a final walkthrough or a final inspection of the property by the buyer. And the reason that that one could be valuable is let's say that you don't close for a month or two. 
and there's tenants in there. Well, you want to go back and make sure that the tenants are still there. Still there and that the condition is the same as when you saw it. All the appliances are still there. Yeah, because somebody the could go and in and they could rip and... all that stuff out and then sell you the property. And yeah, absolutely. The so air conditioner. The final mm-hmm. walkthrough, typically day of or even the day prior to closing. And you guys want to do that on your properties anyways, especially if it's one you're I closing on. I recommend it. Your end buyer is going to want to get in it that day of closing. So again, that's great to have in there. I just had a guy so reach out that. today on one that Brad and I are selling and- uh, Wanted to get in. He wanted to get in, and we're like, oh, come on, man. You were just there last week. But Was it tenant-occupied? It's tenant-occupied. Yeah, that makes it even more challenging. But yeah, but it is what it is. So we're going to meet him on Friday, and we're going to let him in. But, you know, it's a little bit frustrating on our end, but at the same time, he wants to verify that the appliances are still there, that the tenant hasn't left, and everything is the same from when he saw it maybe two, two and a half weeks ago. I get it. I was a little frustrated. Yeah, you're, but you're buying the house, man. It's... I am more than happy to meet him there to you know to walk him through that. So I think the name of the game, though, guys, is don't let contracts you know worry you. It's not that difficult. If you're looking for a contract, go to freewholesalecourse.com. We have a standard contract that we use. We probably use this 50% of the time. Sometimes people want a little bit more meat in the contract, but I prefer to keep it simple. And the one that we have for you guys is literally a one-page agreement. Um, And it's super, super simple. There's probably not anything in here that anybody would not understand. And the, the great thing about it is, you know, you can modify this to kind of meet your own needs if needed. So get those offers out Use contracts to purchase property. That's how you get inventory. And we said it in the beginning, if you don't have inventory, you can't wholesale. You can't sell anything. Mike, anything you want to add to wrap us up on this episode? You guys, get in the game. Start making offers. Start using the contract to lock up deals. And let's get paid. Let's get paid. Signing off. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.